Welcome to Network, a production of Evangelism Ministries of the Georgia Baptist Convention. Hello and welcome to Network, the show where we help you cast the net of the gospel more effectively. I'm Scott Smith, your host. This week I had the unique opportunity to sit down with Dr. Ike Reichard and discuss some important qualities of leadership. Dr. Ike Reichard is the senior pastor of the Piedmont Church, which is an incredible success story in church revitalization. You'll hear more about that story as you join me in this insightful interview with Dr. Ike Reichard as we discuss the most important quality of leadership. Well, I'm on the phone today with Dr. Ike Reichert, senior pastor at Piedmont Church in Marietta, Georgia now. He's been there since January of 2006, but he wasn't senior pastor until February of 2007. Uh, Ike, it's great to have you on the call today. Scott, I'm delighted to be on here with you and great to connect with you, my friend. Uh, tell us a little bit, you know, real quick before I ask you the most important question. Uh, why, why is that the case? You were interim for a year before you came on as pastor. You're in a little bit of a different situation right now. Uh, well, it has been. You know, I was very fortunate to be the founding pastor at North Star Church. And uh, while I was at North Star in the last few years of my being there, I was approached by a uh, CEO, a Christian CEO, who asked me to come on board with their organization and be their chief people officer. And so I had the wonderful opportunity to be able to do that, along with continuing uh, to uh, pastor at North Star Church. And Mike Lynch, who is now the senior pastor at North Star, uh, we shared the preaching load. And so I was only preaching every other week. And uh, during that time, I got a call from uh, a former staff member who was now at uh, Piedmont Baptist Church. And he called and said, um, you know, the pastor has resigned. The church is maybe six months to a year from having to close its doors. Is there any way that you guys over at North Star uh, could help us? And, of course, at North Star, we were deeply committed to starting new churches and new works. So it was going to be a, a different slant to see could we try to help come in and, and resurrect a church that uh, was on life support. And so I went over to help do that on my every other week and uh, that I wasn't preaching at North Star. And then I got some of the other staff to help on the weeks when I wouldn't be able to be at Piedmont. And so we did that for a period of time. And then uh, they have an elder uh, system at Piedmont Church, and uh, they had four elders, and they approached me and said, would you consider being our senior pastor? And it was not really something that I was searching for at that time because I love North Star and still do. But at the mm. same time, it was a challenge that I had never faced in my ministry. You know, I had the little country church that became the, the mega church at New Hope Baptist Church in Fayetteville. And then I had the wonderful privilege of having North Star Church, you know, a, a new church start that blossomed. But I had never been in a situation where a church had declined. And this particular church, I only went back for 10 years, but it had been in steep decline for 10 years. And there was no malfeasance. There was no ethics violation. There was nothing bad that had happened. The church had just gotten distracted, lost its vision, and so because of that, found itself six months to a year from having to close its door with facilities that were aging and beginning to crumble, a roof that was leaking, and the method to solve the problem was seven buckets that were placed in the auditorium, and then people oh. would sit in different places in the auditorium depending on whether it was raining or not because there was a deep-seated fear that they could turn into Methodist uh, if they were sprinkled on <laughs> 
<laughs> and so we had to work them through those days. Wow, unbelievable! What a story, and and, uh, and so that that church has grown, and and you're just really they're in the heyday right now. You were sharing with me before the call. Greatest days in the history of the church. You know, it's one of those things that every pastor should take note of. When Piedmont started its downward slide uh, was when they were uh, having the greatest days of their ministry. Everything was wonderful. And then dissension arose over who was going to build the new auditorium. And it split the church. And the church continued to fracture after that. And I've always said a church never splits from the bottom up. It always splits from the top down. And when there is light between staff members and, you know, key constituents that are there, then that that's when a church will go through those kinds of pains. And so, again, you can't look back and say, well, it was a pastor who didn't do this or didn't do that. Or there was some, you know, moral failure uh, or a financial shenanigans. It was none of those things. And it was just that the church had lost its way. And it was indeed about ready. Uh, you know, to close its doors because there were just so many problems with facilities. When I went there, the, some of your pastors who listen to this will understand, I had a yeah. $600,000 air conditioning issues. Just air oh conditioners. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's hard to get people passionate about, you know, replacing the air conditioners unless you preach a series on hell in July and turn on the heat. Then then you can raise a few dollars. <laughs> Unreal, man. Unbelievable. Well, you know, I, I'm hearing about your background here, and a lot of us have followed you for a long, long time, and uh, and and you've really you've really had your 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 leadership abilities uh, cultivated and tested in all those varying situations. We all tend to drift toward a comfort zone. It seems like God has continued to throw you out of it, and uh, I'm sure that you've had a lot of insights along the way. You're an up guy. You're a positive guy, and if anybody follows what you write and what you put out there. It, a lot of it is about leadership. It is. It's about how to lead people uh, from where they are to where they need Absolutely. to be. And so, uh, in this series that we've put together, and you've been so gracious to give us your time today, if I were to ask you the question, what is the most important thing that you would say to a pastor about about leading, about being a leader, about the quality of a leader? What would that most important thing be that Ike Reichard would share with us? It's a two-parter. Uh, the first job of every leader is define reality, not not what you wished it would be, not even what you, you're hoping for in the future, but you have to define the reality of where you are. And then the second job of that leader is to offer hope. Uh, here's how we can get from where we are to get to where we need to go. And there's no way that you can do that without having courageous conversations. And so the first series that I preached at the church when they called me to be pastor is I preached the series called Courageous Conversations, and I took the story of Nehemiah um, and just worked them through the book of Nehemiah. Here's what's mm-hmm. going to happen. There's going to be times that we're going to get tired. When we get about halfway through the project, you know, it's it's going to be tough. It actually took me longer to preach through Nehemiah than it took Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. So that that shows you what a preacher can turn something into right there. Exactly. But but if you can do those things, define the reality, help your people honestly see here's where we are. Uh, 
And and because people will deny that. They, they will say, oh, well, it's not that bad, or it's this, or it's that. And, you know, let the data back you up. That's what I did. I went back, uh, went to our local association office, Noonday Association, and got the statistics for the past 10 years. I just went back for 10 years, one decade, and then I, I put it on charts, and I showed them. And everything in the church was one-fourth of what it had been. There was one-fourth the membership. There was one-fourth the attendance. There was one-fourth the finances. Uh, There was one-fourth the baptisms. Uh, As a matter of fact, the baptism was being used as a storage area for uh, materials for a Christmas production. And Mm. so, you, you know, there had just been a lot of things that had happened. And again, they couldn't afford the building that they were in. So there were just a, a lot of issues with the building aging and those kinds of things. And uh, and then even becoming a health issue, Scott. You know, if you're not cleaning up mold and mildew and those kinds of things, uh, you're putting your people into literally some toxic situations. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. So... So in terms of uh, the ruthless realism, I mean, you, you, you know, I, I mean, when when I when I look at you, and and I said this earlier, you know, that you're you're ten, you tend to be a positive guy. You're a pretty upbeat right. guy, but you're telling us that no matter how hard it is to stare reality in the face, so you can deal with it as a quality of a leader. If you don't, you're in trouble, Scott. I, I mean, think about how Nehemiah starts out when Nehemiah says to Hananiah. You know, his cousin who's been to Jerusalem, he asked him the question, how is it in Jerusalem? And Hananiah gave him an honest answer. He said, it's not good. The walls are torn down. The gates have been burned with fire. The people are discouraged. The people are disheartened. You know, sometimes we tend to think that we have to couch everything in good news terms. Sometimes what you have to do is you you have to be honest and call the spade a spade and say, here's where we are if you're ever going to get people to the point where they're going to change. Now, you know, I'm a voracious reader, at least one book a week. And the book that I used as my template during this time was written by a Harvard professor named John Carter, Cotter, K-O-T-T-E-R, and it's called Leading Change. The very first step, he says, in leading change is, number one, you have to create a sense of urgency. You mm-hmm. have to start letting people know, we can't just keep playing games here. I mean, this place is going to close. The doors are going to shut. Here's your financial position that you're in. Uh, Literally, I did the State of the Union address to the church this past Sunday. I was able to tell them that in January, just January alone, that we exceeded our budget by over $70,000, which is amazing to me. And that... And that here, here's where we are this past year, and in six years, our budget has gone where we weren't even hitting a $750,000 budget. We probably hit about 700000 to this past year. In just the general fund budget alone, it was $1.5 million, plus we had a building fund drive on top of that. Hmm. So you're talking two-plus million dollars from a church that couldn't hit a $750,000 budget. Wow. So and it, and there's just been so people that know, major change. Mm-hmm. Well, just so people know, I mean, you, you, you're not out of touch here. You didn't walk into a massive situation. I mean, you said a couple hundred folks were left there. 
I mean, when you Correct. walked into that situation? Yes, so it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a large church at the time. Oh, no. No, it had uh, – people had left in uh, mass through the years. There was the righteous remnant that was still there that loved the church, that didn't want to see it fail, and they were there. And I tell you, it was one of those things where the church was at such a point that they immediately had a sense of trust that I was there to help them. And, Scott, not everybody can do this, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back, but at the time, you know, I was at North Star. I was also doing my work at Home Bank and uh, the the company that I worked with in the secular world. And I was able to tell them when they asked me to come be their pastor, I said, I'll do it under one condition. And I said that you don't pay me. And um, that was pretty shocking to them. But my whole point was, hey, guys, I have a great job. I have a great income. I'm being taken care of. North Star has helped me. Um, let me, Let me take what you would have paid a pastor, and let me start trying to find some staff that I can bring in, and I can help you get this turned around. And plus, I was working all during the week, you know, at a secular job. I was bivocational. And I'm bivocational right. today. Uh, even wow. at Piedmont, I'm bivocational because I'm also the president and CEO of an organization called Must Ministries, M-U-S-T. Mm-hmm. And Must is an organization that helps uh, the people that Jesus would have called the least of these. And uh, we employ about 75 people. Uh, we have about a $5 million budget. And um, we have a homeless shelter mm-hmm. in Cobb County. And uh, we're primarily across the northern arc of Atlanta. And so, you know, I'm still doing the two jobs. And, uh, wow. and, you know, I love it. I'm at a different stage in life. My children are grown. I have a four-year-old granddaughter. I've got the time that I can put into it. That's amazing, though. The um, I can't imagine the amount of change that put in your pocket, uh, you know, from a trust standpoint, into <laughs> sure. every decision that you made, every suggestion you brought to the table, because you just didn't take the salary. Now, I know not everybody's in that position, but the fact exactly. that you could be... Oh, that's so powerful, and you obviously well, see, that's, that in your yeah. leadership. Well, that's the that's the wild card in my situation. There, I was in a position in a secular job. I was making more money than I've ever made in my life, and I was mm-hmm. in a position where I didn't have to have the salary. And what it did was it it buoyed the level of trust with me that they knew I wasn't there for a salary. So. He must be here because he cares, and here's the deal, and there's a great book on this. The level of trust determines the speed of change in any organization. The higher yes. the level of trust, the faster you can change things. The lower mm-hmm. the level of trust, the slower you have to go about change. So we went about change in a massive way very quickly. Um, one of the books I'd recommend in that area, of course, you know, I've recommended Cotter, but there's a book called The Leadership Engine. It's an older book by a guy named Noel mm-hmm. Titchy, who was an MIT professor, still is, I guess. But I, he talked about having the edge, which is the ability to make hard decisions and hard choices. And one of the choices that we made there that was a hard choice was to eliminate a choir and go to a praise band. Well, if you ask me 
for my age, what would be my idea of nirvana? I'd say give me a 200-voice choir, give me a 45-piece orchestra, and let's sing Camp Kirkland till Jesus comes and throw in a Chris Tomlin song here and there. That would be my idea of heaven. Right. But that's But that's not the idea of heaven to the generation that I'm trying to reach that's going to be there for the church in the future. And, um, you know, you, you've got to find a way to surf those waves because your baby boomers are still 77 million strong. And uh, I just read an article uh, a few moments ago where they're saying they believe there's going to be a religious renaissance with all these baby boomers that are retiring. So wow. one of my thoughts right now is, okay, how do I create a really, really great senior adult ministry but build it around serving. And that's what we did at Piedmont in the early days. I got those senior adults out serving the community, and they are so proud to be a part of Piedmont. We we do a thing called EPIC, E-P-I-C, which for us is experiencing Piedmont in community. The greatest people I've got going out and serving in the schools are my senior adults. They're fabulous. Wow. Wow, that that gives us a vision for seniors. Man, everything you just said. There's so much in this. Uh, wow, we could chase a lot of rabbits right now. Let me go back to point, and that is uh, your 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 leadership. Uh, you know, your leadership principle of just bringing ruthless reality and defining that for your people. Um, wow, when it's bad, when it, when it's a bad situation, and a lot of guys are going to listen to this this call that. They're in tough situations that they want to turn right. around. They're they're in revitalization situations, or they're in new church plant situations, and maybe they've been at it a couple of years and can't get past thirty people and are struggling. Um, how do you move into getting your people to own the solution? Do you pitch the solution? Uh, do you try to help them come to the conclusion themselves? I mean, you know, it's one thing to get up and say it's bad. Here are the facts to back that up. But how do you transition them into solution mode and, and energize your base? You can define that reality form of where you are. Show them by numbers so that it's not just something that's, you know, well, that's just your point of view. No, here are the numbers. Here's the facts. You know, this, this is the situation that we're in right now. And uh, what I'm doing right now with Piedmont this year uh 2013, is the 50th anniversary of our church. So on the very first Sunday, last Sunday, and you can go in and listen to our podcast and get this, I talked about it being the 50th anniversary, and I told them we're doing a series called Get Back. <laughs> we're using the Beatles song for it. Go figure. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Get Back, the first place to get back to is, why was there ever a church started here? So I referred them to a book that's called Start With Why?, it's written by a guy named Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek is a uh, an anthropologist trained at Columbia University, and he talks about that in any great organization, there's there's three concentric circles. In the center is the question uh, is the word why. The second circle out is the question how. The third circle out is the question what. He said most organizations want to start and work their way from the outside in. Here's what we do, and everybody knows what we do. Here's how we do it. A little fewer people know how we do it. But when he says you get to the center of the circle and why, he said there's a lot of organizations that do not know why they do what they do. He said, organization said, well, it's to make money. He said, no, making money is a result. 
that's not why you're doing what you're doing. And he said, he calls it the golden circle. He says, every great company works from the inside out, not from the outside in. You start with why. Why did someone come out and plant Piedmont Baptist Church in 1963 and constitute it in that community? So my challenge to the church is, let's get back to the original why. Let's get back to the basics right here. They came out and planted a church to reach people for Jesus Christ in this community. Let's make sure that's our top priority is to win people to Christ. And so I'm right. starting them from there. And so then the next obvious question is, in getting back, well, then why aren't we doing that? So this next Sunday is going to be getting back to your first love. You better be in love with Jesus as a leader if you're going to serve him. Because I promise you, your greatest detriment to serving Jesus is going to be working for him. Because you can let the work take place of the serving. And all of a sudden, you're on this treadmill. But if you're serving him, it's vastly different with the way you approach it. Mm, mm, mm. That is so good. So I would I would assume that, that bringing reality to bear, where, where there's a divergence, like where the church is taking a right or left from the original why, that's where you bring in the ruthless look at this is what's yeah. really going on. This is where we've skewed away, and here, here are the numbers to back yeah. it up. Okay. Yeah, if you if you want to do it with a visual, one of the things you can do is you can say, if you are under the age of 30 and you grew up in this church, how about standing up right now hmm. and watch how few of the children who even grew up in your church are even there anymore? Yeah, yeah, and there it is. Yeah, It's a visual. And all yeah, of a sudden, when, when I did that at Piedmont, one couple in their 20s. One. Wow. That's so a how, call. Yeah. How are we going to build a church on the, See, this one couple, he grew up here. She, he married her, but he grew up <laughs> in this church. But where's the rest of them? And, there, yeah. you know, there were some teenagers that were there. But the teenagers are not going to be the backbone of the church in, in the next, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, so, no doubt. So that was the visual. And I happened to read it somewhere where a gentleman who was doing the same kind of thing in a church said, you know, it was the Sunday when I asked people under the age of 30 who grew up in the church, other than mm -hmm. stop at the teenagers and go, okay, now then, would you stand up if you grew up here? And he said suddenly the church realized they had lost that entire group of people. And here's the irony for me. A lot of uh, all those young couples had gone to churches like the one that I pastored at North Star. Mm, mm -hmm. That's where yeah. they went to church. Because here was yeah. a church that was meeting them where they were. We were talking about family. We were talking about serving. We were talking about all the things that are the hot buttons for that Not generation. Not by accident. Not by accident, but intentionally. <laughs> Absolutely, we we shot with a rifle, not a shotgun, and yeah, uh, you know you here here's our bullet right here that we're going for. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, man, this is so rich. We could talk all day. I mean, it's just an unbelievably rich time, and, and your leadership insights are so crucial. I want to encourage people that if they want to follow you, that uh, if they like to use Twitter, you're very active over there. So if you go to twitter.com forward slash Ike Riker, that's R-E-I-G-H-A-R-D, you can follow Ike and get daily insights. Is there Are there other ways they can, they can follow some of the things you're putting out there? Uh, I, oh, absolutely. And, and I love Twitter because I send out a ton of, you know, positive quotes and links to stories and all of those kinds of things. And, and I love that. Uh, you know, going to the podcast, uh, we're we're still, we, we haven't gotten to the point where we have, you know, a video podcast yet, but we put in now the image mag and when we get the, the funding, then we'll start streaming it, you know, and uh, doing those kinds of things. But for somebody who still doesn't mind sitting down and just popping on a podcast, I love it because it's free and, uh, you know, right. it's a good way to keep up with what we're doing every week. Okay. That's at PiedmontChurchTV. Uh, forward slash audio you'll find those uh audios there the sermons and so yeah absolutely pastor avail yourself of that and uh, we always look for good free resources as we go <laughs> dr i Riker, it's been a pleasure uh we just we love you we appreciate what you're doing man and thank you for leading leaders and we really appreciate it god bless you today hey i love and appreciate you guys thanks a lot you've been listening to network a program dedicated to challenging believers to cast the net of the gospel. Network is a production of the Evangelism Ministries of the Georgia Baptist Convention.